Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Except this week, for the first time in 27 episodes, that's strictly not true, as Dave is on holiday this week, so we will have a Daveless episode. But fear not, we do have a couple of regulars with us for today's episode this week. We have Elio and Joe joining me, so we'll do our very best to fill in for Dave. And as it happens, it's a bit of a different episode. We haven't had another game since our last one to talk about, so we're going to be putting in a bit of a chunky feature to fill in that space where we would normally talk about our games. And it's a very Spurs-focused one, and perhaps it's a good episode for Dave to take a break. He's earned it. He's been working very, very hard. So fear not, he will be returning. We haven't kicked him out. We haven't finally had enough of all his trolling. Dave will be back on the show at some stage and we can live up to our name and carry on with things. But we are going to talk a little bit today about some of our internationals who have had some good performances or a mixture of performances in the friendlies and the qualifying games over the last week or so. And we're going to have Challenge Elio at the end. But today our feature is going to be a bit of a general chat about perhaps a slightly overused term. We want to discuss what it is that makes a player a club legend, and specifically a Spurs legend. It's obviously something that's quite arbitrary and difficult to define, and we're going to do our best to tangibly define what it is to be a Tottenham legend, what the criteria would be, if it's even possible to make that a category like that, and maybe talk through a few examples and try and decide who falls into that category just for a bit of fun. But more on that later. We'll get back into that with Joe and Elio. So let me introduce my guest today, starting with Elio. Elio, welcome back. Are you excited about football coming back into your life? Or club football, I should say. Yeah, always, especially when you've gone in off the back of a couple of good consecutive results and performances. The break feels very, very long. Obviously, it feels very, very long when you lose going into it as well for (laughs) for very different reasons. So very excited about football coming back to club level this weekend. Less excited about the notion of having the Legends chat on this podcast. I don't think I'd have put my hand up for it if I'd realised that was the... No, I'm joking, of course. But yeah, it's going to be nice to be able to reflect on some actual Spurs after the next episode. Might be a bit of a change anyway. Well, uh, speaking of legends, we have a plus Dave legend joining us in Joe Brooker. Joe, welcome back for another show. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Getting through the international break. Yeah. Always a chore. But have you watched much of it? Soon. Did you catch both England games? I watched extended highlights of the Ivory Coast game, which I wish I watched actually, because that looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. Interesting to see our old friend Aurier getting involved. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about that. You know, let's get straight into yeah. that game because it was a tale of two ex Spurs right backs, wasn't mm. it? We had we had Carl Walker Peters, who was, I think, by a lot of people's accounts, deserving of a start and some game time for England, which is nice to see. I think quite a few of us would probably take him back into our ranks. And of course, <laughs> Jorio, who didn't have quite as good a time of things, did he? I think the Aurier situation was all a bit silly. I don't think the ref really needed to send him off for that. I mean, it was a friendly. The point yeah. for England was to prepare for the upcoming World Cup. They would have... Mu- I mean, Grealish apparently said don't send him off. Like, they wanted to play yeah, against 11 mm. men. It's not as if he took someone out. So, I think... But uh, with friendlies, we've got to remember the refs are... These are friendlies for the refs as well to get prepared for competitive matches. So, so I think it was a little silly and a, a bit of a shame for it to happen because it didn't seem like there was much in it. But it was really nice to see Carl Walker. Peters get some recognition. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, 
you can't really say you regret the decision to release him to Southampton, given that yeah. with that deal we got Hoybier in for a net three million, which has been a good piece of business. And this is a kid that wasn't really getting a chance with us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, people who did watch him regularly at youth level and even those taking note of his early appearances for us always felt that there was a footballer there who just needed to get a chance and unfortunately for him he was a victim of the Pochettino keep the good kids near instead of loaning them out policy which mm. stunted his and a few other players growths. Has he surprised you at all? Did you think that he'd, I mean you know he's maybe not setting the world alight but he's doing very well and a big part of that team? Um, I think he's doing what I would have expected of him. I expected him to be someone who was very comfortable on the ball, good passer, very kind of composed and clever in what he does, very quick to make decisions. That's everything that he showed in his early appearances for us. That's what he showed in the youth level. But I think once we let go of him to Southampton and it didn't quite pick up for him straight away when the transfer got made permanent. Livermento obviously came in this season as well and put down a claim on that right-back spot too. I think it began to seem like, well, is this going to be another Kyle Norton type goes through a Mm. few clubs, bounced out of it. But he's really, really pushed on in the last few months. He's played a few on the left as well, hasn't he? Absolutely, and that'll help him. I don't think we're looking at a starting England fullback of the next decades, but I do Mm. think he's someone who everyone probably feels they can rely on. You take him back sooner than Oreo anyway. Well, yeah. Obviously a Spurs legend. That goes without saying, but we'll get onto that. Mm-hmm. Joe, talk to me about Gareth Bale. Did you watch that game? Did you see the goals? Pretty special stuff, eh? Yeah, that free kick was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, there's been all sorts made of Bale playing in that game because he's, he's now played... I can't remember if I heard this correctly, but apparently he's played more minutes for Wales this season than Real Madrid. <laughs> That's believable, yeah. I suppose that is believable. It literally um, but... goes Wales, Golf, Madrid in that order in terms of how much time he spent playing. Yeah. And the concern was obviously his fitness, you know, not that he's aging and playing too much football and got a, you know, overstretched. Complete opposite is just, he just isn't getting enough football um, to stay fit enough. But yeah, I mean, it didn't have an amazing first half, actually. He took a while to get into it and Wales did look a little bit nervous, which is understandable. But that free kick seems to change everything. And his second goal was really nicely taken as well. Yeah. So, I mean, Welsh fans are delirious. I can absolutely understand why. Ben Davis obviously involved. So yeah. amazing stuff for them. And yeah, obviously really happy for Bale because he's just been treated... <laughs> like absolute S by Real Madrid and this is what he can do if you look after him. Big players for big moments. I think Bale is unfortunately part of a dying breed of the player that justifies his position in the team with a few magic moments as opposed to constant Mm. commitment at least with top level clubs and that's a real shame because I still think that a system can be built around the player that you have for the gloss as opposed to for the grunt. But we've gone into an area of, and believe it or not, the manager who's actually created the best footballing sides of the past 20 years is the manager responsible for this. We've gotten into the area of without the grunt, you don't get to give the glitter. Mm. And I, I apologise for that obscene alliteration there. Uh, but I I, I, Guardiola very much built that first Barcelona side of his with flair, but with constant running as well and they were all very very good players now we've seen with Ndombele that you can be a guy who has all the talent in the world but if you don't do the legwork then and this isn't just an excuse to have a job but Ndombele if you don't put in the legwork then you never actually produce what you need to with that ability 
But mm. Ndombele has never been capable of doing the things that Bale can actually just pull out of his backside. And yeah. I really, really hope Bale still is a top-level footballer next season at a club that are serious about whatever competition they're in. Ironically, the exception to that rule might actually be Lionel Messi, who obviously came through that Guardiola team. But he's kind of the only person who can get away with not running for a whole game because he's that good and he has that many special moments that he can just pull something out of the bag on a game like that, can't he? I guess him and Bale. But on Bale, you said the other day, I want to know if you still think this or if it was just passion in the moment. You said you'd want him back. You still take him back? I mean, I, of course I would. Bale yeah. would still be the best player at Spurs. <laughs> okay. But he, he, go, Bale yeah, would yeah. still be our best player. But there's no way Bale is playing in a Conte side. <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? A Conte side on Levy money. Can we have him coming yeah. off the bench just to take free kicks instead of Harry Kane? Because I think that's well, worth it alone, isn't it? Although then we just go for James Ward-Prowse. Absolutely. I just, I'd have him back in a heartbeat, but it's done. I can't see it happening. What do you think, Joe? You have Gareth Bale back? I'd, I'd have Gareth Bale back. I just, yeah, I agree with Eli. I mm. can't see that happening. I don't think we'd offer him the money that he would probably expect I think also he's making it pretty clear from this point on Wales is the absolute priority. All that matters to him now is getting Wales to win that playoff into Qatar for December or November. Yeah. And he's going to be kind of part-time club footballer and full-time focused on the World Cup, which yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough, you know. So that's three experts players. So let's keep that going, you know, in keeping with the whole Legends theme. So let's go on to Christian Eriksen, who I think we're all delighted to see back and performing and firing. Always nice to see, especially after what happened. Scored his first goal since he returned to the Denmark team. And he was up against one of our actual current players in Bergwijn, who's on a bit of a run of form. Elio, first of all, Eriksen, presumably delighted for him. Of course. Uh, and secondly, Bergwijn. I mean, I never want to base too much off a couple of performances, but do you think he's making a case to be involved more in our team with his international performances because this isn't the first time he's performed on the international stage. And I know it's a different game and a different team, but from the goals he's scored and from what you've seen, do you think maybe he should at least be ahead of the pecking order, ahead of Lucas, for example, or do you think you want to see more of him? I mean, I think he is ahead of Lucas. It's hard to tell, really, because they've both been coming off the bench and it, yeah. sometimes one comes on first, sometimes the other does. I think Lucas is almost seen as the if we need to stretch the game option and Bergwijn's seen as the give us more of a goal threat option, if that makes sense, which is probably fair based on what they've done so far under Conte. I think what Bergwijn's doing for Holland isn't that dissimilar of what he's doing for us. It's just that he's A, playing against worse teams for Holland and Mm. B, he's probably given more of a responsible role for Holland because the Holland side is not as good as the Spurs side in the nicest possible way. I think he's clearly a talented player. He's clearly got the ability to make an impact. It would be nice to see him doing that with us, but I think being a bench player will never, ever get the best out of him. And while you've got Son scoring or assisting despite whatever else he does, while you've got Kane being Kane and while you've got Kulusevski having the impact he's had, where do you put Bergwijn in the Conte system? I mean, my answer would be go for a good old sort of 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2, whatever, and yeah. sacrifice the three centre-backs. But Conte's not going to do that, and he's the boss. So so I think we need Bergwijn to be ready to take his chance if someone is injured or suspended or needs a rest. Or we need Bergwijn to keep elevating his value so that we can trade him in in the summer for someone we're actually going to play. 
Yeah, that sounds fair. So from Bergwijn, a player who's obviously performing in the international level, but not starting for us, to a player who is starting for us and performing very well, who missed out on the international stage. And that's Eric Dyer, who I wanted to talk about today. I've seen quite a few videos of people discussing who they want to take to the World Cup and who they'd put in their England squad, who's on the plane, who's left at home and all this stuff. And Dyer doesn't even enter the conversation. And this is one of those times where I kind of wish Dave was here to ask for an unbiased view, but I can't help feeling that that's quite harsh given the season he's had, and especially given that he does have a history with Southgate, and Southgate's played him before. We all remember the World Cup. Joe, I know you remember that penalty very fondly. What do you think of this whole situation with Dyer? Do you think he should be in the running for one of the centre-back spots in the England team? Do you think he should be in the squad? Well, he's it's probably not in the running because it's been a bit of a stop-start season for him because we've obviously had two different managers who have played defensively in very different ways. And of course, there's mm. been the injuries. And whilst this has been going on, the England team has just been a very well-oiled machine that just keeps pumping out the qualification wins. You know, yeah. Southgate continues to keep things ticking along nicely. So he really has become an afterthought. And also, I think afterthought is a bit strong for Spurs because we've had so many defensive problems this season. But it didn't feel like Dyer was necessarily the solution to our defensive problems when things were looking awful getting up towards Christmas. So it's not been a good season for him to make an impact on the England team. In, in, Do you think in it could senses? maybe say something about Southgate's plans for a formation, maybe? Do you think he's showing that he can perform in a three? Maybe Southgate's thinking of having a back four, potentially. Because he did in the last game. Ivory Coast, there was a back four. I know he's played around with it before in the past, but do you think there could be something in that? I don't get the impression Southgate's thinking that much about Dyer, to be honest. So I don't really know how that would work out for Dyer either way. I wonder what you think about this, Elio. Because, I mean, you see some of the centre-backs that are involved in the conversation. People like... I don't want to pick on Tyrone Mings, but Tyrone Mings, for example. Yeah, he's left-footed. Okay, that makes him a bit of a commodity. But what do you think it is? Do you think Dyer should be in the England squad? And why do you think he's not in the reckoning? I think Dyer is seen as someone who had a dip and then other players took their opportunity. Because Dyer was first choice in the not-that-distant past. But yeah. while he had his dip, England went on this great run with Maguire in the team and whatever. But I look at the players getting in there. And, and if I just sort of open up sort of the lineup and bench from the other night for England, I, I look at who's in there and how they're respectively playing this season. And it does kind of make me question why Dyer's not getting a shot, particularly because, I mean, people say Maguire's never put a foot wrong for England. Eric mm. Dyer hasn't either, as far as I'm aware. Tyrone Mings, obviously the left foot option helps him. He's still an inferior centre-back to Eric Dyer. That, mm. That's beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I think Harry Maguire plays for Manchester United and Harry Maguire has been brilliant for England. But yeah. in terms of that club level, Eric Dyer has had a much better season than Maguire. No like, there's no no comparison. I mean, all the booze Maguire was getting the other day were from all the London-based Man United fans. I'd bet my life on that. So I think <laughs> if Maguire is keeping his place, then Dyer should at least be getting a recall to stick him on the bench. Then you look at the bench specifically. If you're going for a three at the back, then Dyer is obviously a very good option based on what he's doing for us. Another yeah. player used to being in a three at the back Connor is Cody. Connor Cody, who yeah. is on the bench. Connor Cody is not having as good a season as Eric Dyer. Connor Cody is no. not as good a player as Eric Dyer. And if you're looking at a two at the back, Connor Cody actually has never played in a two at the back or ever played well in a two at, at the back. Point. I mean, his last time playing for England was an absolute disaster, I seem to remember, or, or a recent time anyway. So, so I don't really get him and 
listen, I understand calling up the Palace boy for a look at him for the future, but just because yeah. he's broken through onto the scene this season doesn't mean he's actually a better player than Eric Dyer or a better option for the World Cup. If he went to the World Cup ahead of Eric Dyer, I'd think that there was something extremely nutty going on. Mm. One theory I do have, though, is that Southgate is very, very cautious with anybody that he may see as at all spiky. And if you remember, it took Foden a long time to get back in after his mm. Icelandic... Indiscretions. Indiscretions, yeah. Let, let's not yeah. <laughs> let's not wonder about whether money was exchanged for, for these people or not. But mm. it took him a long time to get back into the England side. Mason Greenwood obviously took yeah. even longer before he was out again. Or was he even actually called up at all after that? I can't I even remember. I don't know if he ever made it back before it all went down, yeah. And Eric Dyer obviously had his little incident chasing into the stands in that FA Cup game when his brother was getting abused when you Mourinho was in charge of us. It's the only thing I can logically think of, but then why would you have Harry Maguire who goes off to Greece yeah. and starts beating up policemen? <laughs> so, so who knows? Yeah. But uh, it, it's a strange. For, for one the record, because... I don't think he beat up any policemen. We should probably say that. Oh, either he just, way, he just he, bribed uh... policemen. Ah, he, yeah, okay, bribed policemen. Either way, he <laughs> disgraced himself in absolution. Um, yeah. So I just. Uh, I think that if you're comparing him with his peers, Eric Dyer deserves to be there. If you're comparing him with his peers, both on the basis of what he's doing this season and on the basis of what he has done for England before, mm. I think he deserves it. But I think Joe's right, and I don't think Southgate's even thinking about him at this moment, which is just a bit surprising because I know Dyer was, and this is first-hand information, I know Dyer was seen as one of the leaders in the England camp when he was a staple part of that squad. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I could understand if he ended up not going in the squad, but the fact that it doesn't even seem to be in the consideration, then there's not even anyone talking about it. It's a bit strange to me, but I'm glad we agree, Eddie. We don't always agree on everything, but I'm glad we agree on that point at least. Cause, and uh, why getting he deserves calls to be up, call-ups? Yeah. For what exactly? For what? <laughs> Maybe we are biased. Who knows? Maybe we're missing something. But but one thing's for sure is that we will have one man there leading the line, and that'll be Harry Kane, who continues to kind of get the job done, even if it is sometimes via penalties. It makes me laugh. One of my new favorite pastimes, I, it used to really annoy me, but I've started to enjoy it now, is every time somebody posts anything about Harry Kane breaking records or his you know great goal-scoring record for England on Twitter, just go through the comments. It's hilarious. You just get people commenting, yeah, but they're all penalties. Yeah, but they're all against rubbish teams yeah but it's all friendlies and it's just so funny because so many people are just there ready and waiting with responses so you'll have someone say yeah but where would he be without penalty goals and then someone will respond with a graph of all open play goals for England and Kane is top and you're just like well that that backfired didn't it and it's the same when it comes to him against so-called lower nations and then he's actually got the highest number of goals in competitive games as well I think <laughs> or maybe tied with Gary Lineker but with fewer games or something so he just he just comes out on top against all these arguments but but then of course there's always the fallback of oh but no trophies so you just can't win can you that's Twitter mm. isn't it this is why you're not on Twitter isn't it Joe it's, it's to avoid stuff like this or at least why you don't use it regularly yeah, exactly. Stay away from the nonsense. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Who have we missed? Because we talked about Kane. There's probably one episode we're going to talk about Kane again at some point, but let's leave him from there. Christian Torsford scored. <laughs> I mean, we're stretching it a little bit now, but he scored in a 9-0 victory for Norway alongside Erling Haaland and co. That was a, a nice one. Um, Elio, you mentioned on WhatsApp earlier that we've had quite a few goal scorers popping up in our kind of under-21 ranks. We've got a bright future at Tottenham. A few of our young players performing and pulling some tricks out of the bag. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So if you haven't seen it, absolutely look up Troy Parrott's goal for Ireland in the 97th minutes where he takes the ball from sort of a slightly wide position, cuts in, rides a challenge and absolutely smashes it. One of the hardest shots I've seen in a very long time into the net from a good sort of 20-25 yards. Absolutely lovely finish. Alfie Devine scored a very nice one for the England under-19s where he made an absolutely lovely run around the Armenia defender to get through on goal and place it into the far corner. It was actually it was a very sort of intelligent goal. He didn't even have to run fast. He just timed everything beautifully. Mm-hmm. Dane Scarlett, one of which was a penalty, uh, scored two in the next game for England under-19s against Portugal, which, which is nice to lovely. see. He's meant to be a bright young thing and Brian Hill scored for the Spain under 21 so so they've all done very very well Troy Paris was actually for the Ireland first team by the way not for the kids so so that's even better but yeah I think it's nice to see them doing well because none of these guys are obviously really in the reckoning for us right now but they're all young enough and have enough time on their side that they could be players for us one day and if they're doing it at this level at this point then that's really encouraging yeah, you mentioned Scarlett there, and it's interesting because not for the first time, Conte has been saying a lot of nice things about him. He seems to really rate him from everything I've been reading. I've got a quote here from Conte about Dane Scarlett, and it says, mm. I'm seeing a lot of improvement in Scarlett. Honestly, I have to tell you, seeing that this guy is improving a lot, he's only 17 years old, but I can tell you he's a really important prospect for Tottenham. He has to be patient and work behind these very important players and continue to work in this way because about Scarlett, I can tell you that I see a brilliant future for him. He doesn't have to say that about a 17-year-old. You know, he doesn't have to come out and talk about him. He I must mean, really see I, something. I take these things with a pinch of salt. Pochettino yeah. compared Marcus Edwards to Lionel Messi at a young age. <laughs> so, uh, and then and then we were sending him off to, to Portugal for a mid-level team about a year after that. So, so I take these things with a pinch of salt. Scarlett is, by all accounts, a very talented young player. But E17, he seems mm. to be doing all... The right things, as you know, I believe football's mainly played in the brain. So let's see what his attitude is now that he's getting a bit of attention. Hopefully he can be our next off the striker production line. We've got a kid even younger than him, I believe, called Jamie Donnelly, who is meant to be absolutely brilliant as well. He's, I don't know if he's done anything this international break with whatever kids team he'd be part of. But if Scarlett doesn't push for it, then from what I read about Donnelly, he will be the one pushing in the next couple of years himself. So, so yeah. let's watch out for this. And let's save this for posterity. Yeah, and you said that, uh, of course, Alfie Devine was one that you think is worth getting particularly excited about. I do. I've only seen a very limited amount of him either playing for us in the very odd cameo appearance. Obviously, he had this lovely moment where he scored in his debut and became our youngest scorer against Marine in the FA Cup in that big victory yeah. in that really weird setting. The one game that actually had any fans because they were just crowded around the car park of the Marine Stadium, which was just really, loads of really drinking enjoyable. wine in their gardens. Exactly. And yeah. uh, unlike Burnley, they managed to get the snow off the pitch as well. So that was uh, a <laughs> 
difficult. Big Papa Burnley, obviously. Yeah. Well, quite. They, they had a few um, member brooms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that that was lovely. And anything you've seen of him for the youths or this goal he scored for England under-19s the other day, it just strikes you as an intelligent player and mm. someone who really does think a bit quicker than others, which I think is so much more important than feet that move a bit quicker than others. I mean, that's what Kane's built his career on. And uh, yeah, I, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't make it. There you go. Exciting times for Tottenham ahead. It still freaks me out, I'm going to be honest. When you see these kids playing football, especially people like Dane Scarlett, he looks, I mean, what is he, 17? He could be 15. He could be mm. 14. He looks like a child. And, you know, I know he's not the only one, but it, it always freaks me out when I, as a 35-year-old man, I'm retirement age now. I'm, you know, apart from Ronaldo, I'm thinking about getting my coaching badges and hanging up my boots. And I see these kids that have been, they're half my age. They could literally be my child playing professional football. Mm. It, it still freaks me out. I don't know if you're the same, Joe. I don't know if this bugs you, but I always remember the moments that football players were my age and how much that freaks me out. And it's almost like I'm going around full circle on that. I remember when Aaron Lennon was breaking through and when Messi was breaking through around that kind of time and thinking, wow, these guys are my age and I was 17 or 17 or 16 or something. Does that ever freak you out or am I just, am I just having a midlife crisis here? Uh, it did. I, I had the same realization when Wayne Rooney burst onto the scene. Oh yeah, because yeah. he is like he was so young, wasn't he, when he was performing at the top? He level. was born in '85, I think, wasn't he? So the difference with Rooney is that he looked—he looked 28 when he was 16. That's the difference with <laughs> he Rooney. Did, he did. So it wasn't quite as shocking, but then, yeah, in a way, it's almost more bizarre. Yeah, but I've, I've kind of got used to it now. But it, it is weird when you think of people. I mean, like Jude Bellingham comes to mind. You know, you think how yeah. important I he's become for how Dortmund. Young he is. But he's only 18. I mean, that's, that's you know, one of the best things you can say about a young player when you forget that they are that young, I suppose, when they play such a mature mind like that. And it's always good to see. Yeah. Well, Elio, keep tabs on all those players because I want to hear, I, I always tell people this and they may think that I'm making it up, but you were the first person to ever tell me about a young man called Harry Kane breaking through and you stood up for him when he was fired out on loan, left, right and centre and everyone thought he was, you know... No hoper. So from then on, I've always taken your advice on on our youth prospects. So so keep it coming. I also said six months before we signed in that Jack Clark was going to be the next Gareth Bale. And that's yeah, not yeah. really working out very well hey, look, for we're, us. We're not all right. Like you said, Pochettino just said Marcus Edwards was the next Messi. So, you know, everyone's allowed a couple of mistakes, but mm. generally you do pretty well. Right. Is there anything else that we can go over in terms of internationals or any of our players have we missed anybody or do you think we should get into our Tottenham Hotspur legends chat from now what do you think who have we missed um, we covered the quick, board quick look at the Spurs Instagram will say who they've yeah. spoken about for international duty so um, yeah they're obviously very prepared with everything we do um, yeah, yeah. up to see. the minute so Bergwijn apparently is getting a FIFA card for what it's worth because he had a good week for the Netherlands. There I think we go. He's made it. I think Sonny might have actually done well for Korea. I feel like he might have a goal in there. I know that Antoine Griezmann scored a goal against Lloris in training and then ran away screaming Harry Kane. So uh, that, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, I saw that's that. quite funny. <laughs> I didn't um, hear that. That's brilliant. Co- yeah. Kulusevski will sadly not be going to the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. I believe Port Poland knocked them out the other day. And I've just got... Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really was. But Poland to have yeah. have some really good players. But Sweden, you almost expect them to be at the World Cup so mm. that England can draw nil-nil with them. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, while, while Argentina are playing Nigeria. Yeah, <laughs> and looking over at... 
Dane Scarlett, you are right, Dagus. He does look shockingly young. I, I mm. would have believed someone if they told me he was 30, never mind 17. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking of those you expect to be at the World Cup, a moment for Italy, who aren't going to be there. I, I, feel, oh, I can't help feeling slightly smug after watching them beat us in the final of the Euros, but it doesn't quite feel right not having Italy at a World Cup. But I'm not going to get too much the second time, time in a row it's row. happened. I know, yeah, I'm, I know. I'm getting used to it. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely bizarre, but... I'm sure they'll be back anyway. You know what? In our lifetime, we've never gotten to see England win a World Cup or a European Championships, and Italian fans the same age as us have seen both. So I'm pretty exactly. sure they, they would not swap places with our great record of qualifying and not winning. They will get over it, I'm sure. They'll be fine. We will see. Hopefully that means England have one hand on the World Cup trophy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we <laughs> are going to win it easily. One thing I did not realise... Yeah. Pierluigi Gallini, who mm-hmm. has not played any football for us, yeah. was, or at least not in the league, has actually made it onto Italy's most recent substitute bench for their 3-2 win over Turkey in a friendly the other day. For a minute, I thought Fancy you were going to say that. he's replaced Donnarumma because he's playing in a better <laughs> league, you know? <laughs> Donnarumma's gone to France to retire at the age of 21. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good for him. Good for him. It's not been a good month for Donnarumma. (laughs) Champions League and uh, World Cup qualification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been a rough time for him, but I'm I'm sure he'll be fine. He's got a few years left, yeah. He's one of these kids that I was speaking about earlier, Joe, that I can't believe that he's six foot five and has won the Euros and he's, what, 15 years younger than me or something (laughs) like that. Anyway, anyway, you could almost legally be his dad. I could, I could almost legally be his dad, but I I don't want to think about that any longer. So let's let's move on, shall we? Right, so... Spurs legend. So it's a term that's thrown around a bit and, and it's a bit of fun. I know it's a bit of a silly thing. It's such an arbitrary term. And to be honest, what got me thinking about it was the fact that a few of our ex-favourites, as it were, have been in the spotlight. We've mentioned Bale, we've mentioned Ericsson. Of course, Jermaine Defoe recently decided to retire, which is certainly a player we should have a few words about because great player for us, great player in general. So a few Spurs players have been in the spotlight recently and it just got me thinking about what it means to be a club legend generally and what that means within the confines of Spurs history. And I don't know whether you think there should be different rules for different clubs or if it's a simple thing to define, but ultimately it's going to be a subjective thing probably, but we're going to do our best to try and come up with some kind of criteria, some kind of rules to define what makes somebody a club legend and see where we draw the line just for a bit of fun and see if we can come up with a list and maybe see who makes it into that esteemed club. So... Joe, I'll come to you first. I know it's a really broad question. Where do you start with this? I mean, when you're trying to define what makes someone a club legend, obviously there are some, you can reel off names that are just not in question. But eventually you come to a point where you have to think, hmm, do they qualify? Do they count? And there's no right or wrong answer necessarily, but how would you approach that debate? I mean, silverware is always the obvious go-to because... Which limits us a bit. It, yeah, it does, or, or forces you to go way back in time to a you know better decade. But that, that's always going to be the key thing because that's going to be you know the whole point of playing football is to win stuff and to feel good. And you always yeah. the, the club is always going to hold up players that bring that as legends. Yeah. But then of course that you know there's also the kind of the, the stats side of things because if you've got someone who's consistently delivered for the club whether it's appearances or goals or whatever then you might have a bad club for a decade but if they kept the club somewhat relevant and you know kept the standard somewhat higher or saved the club from a you know decline 
that's also going to get you legend status, even if mm. there's no silverware. I, I'd argue those are the two obvious ones you first come to or criteria. But would you would you therefore say that they're both necessary to call someone a legend? Do they need to have won something and been a consistently good player for us? Because I'm sure there are quite a few examples, and I'm going to press Elio to help me out on this. But one that comes to mind, for example, let's say Lucas Mora. He hasn't won anything with us. He's not been that consistently good. But he did have a great moment. Sometimes, is it going to come down to just one moment that makes somebody a legend? Would you say that's enough? Or does there need to be more on top of that? I don't think that's enough. Uh, I love Lucas Moura. I love what he did. I love the passion he has for the club. He ticks a lot of boxes for me. He ticks the box of being involved with something memorable in Spurs history. And if that was a hat-trick that won the final as opposed to the semi-final, that that might have been enough. But yeah, a final yeah. is different to a semi-final. And he's also had long, long stretches of his Spurs career where he's been, I think it's fair to say, not that effective for yeah. us. I don't want to say not that good, but not that effective. Um, yeah, I think fair. he's also, unfortunately, there's a timing issue where he's very much symptomatic of the decline in our side in that he ended up in the side because we haven't replaced better players than him who left like Ericsson, like Pete Daly, for instance, yeah. like Musa Dembele, etc, etc. So yeah. that's always hard because he's come right off the back of a better front line that preceded him. But I think the fact is that, yes, having an affinity with the club is important. He has that. Being involved mm. in something actually memorable is important. I'm not going to say a trophy, but achieving yeah. something is important. Important but or essential, think- though, because there is a big distinction Could you say that you could have other parts carry the lack of that part, for example? Well, it depends how big that part was and how big the other parts were as well. I mean... Nicky Butts won many league titles with United, Manchester United. That's two episodes in a row now. And I'm not slagging him off, but I don't think he'd be considered a Manchester United level, though I'd love to be corrected by a Manchester United fan Mm. on that, uh, because I'm not a United fan. I may well get that wrong, but uh, I, I think... Luke is someone like that. He's likable guy, decent player, but there's just something missing. And I, I do think part of being a legend also actually means that you've got to be part of you have to be a cornerstone of a side that you're playing in. And Lucas has never been that. It's interesting the Man United comparison, actually, because I was thinking this earlier. Obviously, you know, jokes aside, we have won a fair amount of trophies you know there aren't that many clubs that have won more trophies than us so going back throughout our history there are quite a lot but Man United obviously they've won loads and I was thinking of the comparison between someone like David De Gea for example and Hugo Lloris who okay Lloris has been our captain there's the difference but they're quite comparable both of them have been arguably the best goalkeeper in the league at one point both long-term serving generally consistent the odd blip here and there I'm not going to get into debate over who's better out of those two but I don't think many Man United fans would say De Gea is a Man United legend just because they've got Schmeichel and they've got Van der Sar, for example, in goal. Whereas we don't really have the same level of competition. And is that a factor? Just kind of the bar is raised from one club to the other. It's not one criteria for us that would be the same for Man United or perhaps the same for, let's say, Leeds or um, a club. I think it's fair to say success. Manchester United would probably have a slightly higher bar than us because they've had yeah. more great players than us especially in recent history but I guess what I would say to that is that Lloris has 
an unbelievable affinity with the fans. Lloris won a World Cup as a World Cup winning captain yeah. while a Spurs player. He uh, did. Lloris covered that last week. Being part of the best Spurs side in our lifetimes, whereas De Gea has very much not been part of the best United side in their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Lloris has also been with us a decade now as well. That's a long time. So I think that without quantifying any of those things, I think it's fair to say Lloris is a Spurs legend, whereas I, I think it would be ludicrous to say De Gea is. I think Lloris has given Spurs a lot more than De Gea has given Manchester United, and I think mm. that that's a big part of it. I think it comes down to how much that player has given the club, and it's not necessarily a time thing either. Yeah. It's, I mean, David Ginola was with us for three years. He yeah. isn't particular. No one really gives a much of a damn that he won the League Cup or yeah. that he won a double player of the year. What they do give a damn about is the fact that in a very dark time for Spurs, he lit the place up and carried the club for those three years. Whereas someone like, I don't know, what's what's a, a what about Alan Nielsen? Producer? Someone like Eric Lamella, for instance, was yeah. here twice the time David Ginola was, but never contributed in the way Ginola did in terms of lighting up the matches, uh, getting the crowd off their feet. And even though we have a bit of an affinity with Lamella because yeah. he was a bit of a character, uh, mm. it, we had an affinity with Ginola because he made us feel alive. Yeah. Uh, and that, he, that's he was quite a something. And an effective footballer. That's the thing, though. I'm glad you brought up Lamella because I think that's a dangerous pitfall, the distinction between cult heroes and actual club legends. Because Lamella's a cult hero, absolutely. Ramon Vega is a cult hero. And you've said before, you know, there rarely do we get good players being cult heroes. It's almost like a consolation prize. We love them because, and there are exceptions to that. There are exceptions to that. I think Romero is probably bordering on cult hero status. I think if you look at Newcastle and someone like Faustino Aspria, who was a good player, he was a bit of a cult hero. There are exceptions, but there's also a difference. I think it's important we recognize mm-hmm. that. Um, Joe, would you say it's fair that just winning a trophy or being part of a trophy winning team isn't enough? Because we talked about trophies, and obviously that is a factor. Or, or would it depend on the trophy? Like, for example, the 1961 double-winning team. Would you say that all of the people involved in that, all of the starters in that, are Spurs legends? Or would you say perhaps only the ones that, let's say, history remembers? Yes. Yeah, obviously, it's... a good few of them are. I mean, it goes without saying. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, you know, a team that wins a major trophy at any period in, in history, it's almost like that, that team as a unit is you know is is the legend effectively it's not you wouldn't necessarily yeah. pull out every single individual and go legend 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 it's that photo of them all hoarding up mm. the trophy at full time so i don't know yeah. if you can you know nicky but david <laughs> who was who was the nicky <laughs> butt of the 1961 team that's what i want to know and, the thing and is, is he a you, legend you look at the 61 team and yeah. look at the first three and Let's say the team collectively is a legend. The manager, yeah. Bill Nicholson, is obviously a obviously, legend. He also yeah. won the and league we'll as a player. Of course. But, um, no but then sort of scrolling down what our kind of most used players were. Goalkeeper Bill Brown. I guarantee that, in fact, you're looking at me right now as if you've never heard the name Bill Brown before. No, but uh, I, 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 I have, but only because I specifically looked up this team for these purposes yeah. to see how many I knew. And so, there's probably four or five that I could have named. Bill Brown, I don't think you'd get many sort of young Spurs fans recognising that name. Same with Peter Baker. These guys mm. played almost every league game. Ron Henry, uh, centre-back. Well, I, th- I think he was what was called as a left half, I think they called him. Like, oh, these aren't n- names that have 
have sort of persisted through history outside of sort of yeah. uh, the every generation that goes by, they get a bit more forgotten. Maurice Norman, who by all accounts was an exceptional centre-back, is not a name that's sort of carried through history either. But then you go into sort of the big names. Danny Blanche van Dave Mackay, unquestionably Spurs yeah. legends. Cliff Jones, unquestionably a Spurs legend. John yeah. White was definitely a Spurs legend. Bobby Smith and Bobby Les Smith. Allen are both amongst our top ever goal scorers. So you have to say they're Spurs legends as well. Then you get into sort of the wingers that were rotated, Terry Dyson and Terry Medwin. And once mm. again, their See, names haven't Terry really... Dyson. I have heard of Terry Dyson, but again, it's not one of the first names that comes to mind. But I think you've kind of stumbled onto a really interesting point there, because maybe that is all it comes down to, the, the names that stand the test of time. We talked about Human Son and how he said he wants Spurs fans to remember him in 50 years and know his name. We're Spurs fans, quite passionate, fairly knowledgeable Spurs fans, and we don't know all of those players. But the ones we do know, without question, the ones that you've just reeled off, they're Spurs legends. They're probably top of the list. You know, if you start going down through the list, you're going to say Bill Nicholson, you're going to say, okay, Jimmy Greaves, he wasn't part of that team, but almost but yeah that era and there's players later in the 60s there's greaves there's martin chivers i think most spurs fans consider chivers a legend but but then chivers know the name even though it was generations ago and maybe maybe that's it maybe you've got to ask of our current team for example in 50 years time who are people going to know the name of absolutely and i think there is an element of the winning trophies with the club helps make someone a legend. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, but it helps make someone a legend because it does mean that their name is more likely to endure. But then at the same time, I'm pretty sure in 100 years' time, Southampton fans are still going to know Matthew Letitia's name. <laughs> so He was so, the greatest ever player. So, yeah. Exactly. There'll be a stand so, named after him. So, yeah, yeah uh, even if he has gone a little bit... Uh, let's almost, say controversial in his old age. Yeah, it's almost like you need to assign points values to different factors and add them all up, which we're not going to do before you panic. But it's Paul Gascoigne. Like, Paul yeah, Gascoigne. He Football didn't even legend, play in the final of the one trophy he won with us. Yeah. I mean, Paul Gascoigne is a really interesting one because he's unquestionably an English football legend and one of the defining characters of football history. And he played for us a decent amount and scored some important memorable goals for us. And I think that's a name that most people, that's probably one of the first names a lot of Spurs fans would say, but I don't think it goes without question. I think, you know, so you what, could say what I'd that's say is one that that's borderline. Paul Gascoigne is roundly considered the most talented English footballer that ever existed. He He's essentially mm. considered the English Maradona. He... <laughs> His very best spell of his who who career. is a Spurs legend himself, by the way, Maradona. Absolutely, obviously. Um, so the very best spell of Paul Gascoigne's career was as a Spurs player. Yeah, the only trophy he won outside of Scotland, I don't think he won anything in Italy, was as a Spurs player. Even though he crocked himself at the beginning of the final, and I think mm. what Spurs saw for him in the three years that he did play for us, all right, four, but he didn't appear in the last year because of his injury. But yeah. what Spurs fans got from him in those years, a bit like with Janola, they got something absolutely mesmerising, uh, yeah. like that sort of went beyond winning trophies and Mm. went beyond having a severely flawed personality, which we all know Paul Gascoigne has had a severely flawed personality over the years. So so I think he's someone that you shouldn't be questioned as a Spurs legend because I think he ticks the box. And there's the affinity with the fans again. Whereas you look at someone like, I don't know, um, look at Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane is a wonderful, wonderful football. In fact, Keane and Defoe, I'm going to do them together. Brilliant players, both amongst our top scorers of all time. 
both amongst our Premier League top scorers of all time. I think yep. they're number three and number four after Kane and Sheringham. I think Defoe's our second highest ever European goal scorer as well after Kane, unless Chivers is still just about ahead of him. So mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about two guys that scored a lot of goals for us. They were with us a long time. Keane actually did win a trophy with us. He was part of a very fun time. They both were. They were part of the evolution of Spurs from mid-table club to... Big-ish club to big club in Defoe's case because he was yeah. there for the first time we got into the Champions League. King was sent out on loan to West Ham at that point, which is mm-hmm. where Spurs players' careers go to die. Uh, so on paper, these guys have more of a claim to being Spurs legends than Gascoigne. Or... Yeah. So that's where you have to really just throw in a pure subjective how did they make me feel test and they both made me feel Mm. great because they scored great goals and they did entertaining things but then you compare them against other strikers we've had and that's a big thing you compare them against other strikers we've had and did they give us what Kane has given us no what Greaves did no Kane Greaves though no Kane Greaves though they they did have longevity on their side as well they played for a number of years I mean I'm interested in comparison no more longevity than those two no, that's my point. Exactly. That's what I mean. They're in, they have that at least. Whereas I'm, I'm interested in how you compare someone like Defoe, who was a good, if not spectacular striker, but a consistently decent striker for us, good goals per game and a nice guy who left, he didn't leave in particularly controversial circumstances, affinity with the fans, with someone like Jurgen Klinsmann, who we absolutely loved, who was a global superstar, who had a great season for us. Okay, he came back a few years later for another season, but he didn't really play that much for us. And I think a lot of people would be quite quick to put him in the legend category. What do you think about that, Joe, for Jurgen Klinsmann? Because if we're saying longevity is a factor to consider and trophies and all of this, like he doesn't necessarily tick all that many boxes, but fantastic player, gave us a good service and someone that is fondly remembered by most Spurs fans old enough to remember him. Where do you think he fits in? Yeah, so I mean, to answer the first question, the longevity thing I don't think is that important. I think Elio kind of put it really well describing uh, David Ginolab where it really is, you know, you can burn bright but burn for a short period of time. You'll, you'll, you can still make yourself a legend, you know, pretty easily, I think. Mm. I think where the, the waters get muddied a little bit with someone like Klinsman and Lloris maybe a little bit, although you two have just described him as a Spurs legend, is yeah. you can also be a legend because of something you've already done. So Klinsman is a German legend and yeah, had already yeah. achieved as much as you can achieve pretty much before he came to Spurs. So he was a bona fide yeah. legend regardless. So just having someone of his calibre wear a Spurs shirt makes you yeah. adore him because it's so exciting. And, and he... Look, he wasn't here for too long, but he had a massive impact. You know, finished top scorer yeah. for us, what, twice? Two seasons? Maybe just only one. At least one. Season. Only at one least season. one for sure, yeah. I mean, he was only so, there for one season, then he left and came back again. But he was, you know, I think so he not... might have actually been top scorer in his half season when he returned for what He could were. have. He's got four in one game, I remember. So <laughs> yeah. it was surprising. I was there. So, I think there, there are a handful of players, though, I think. And he's an example, and you, you've just kind of led on to this, and we talked about Gaza. Players like that who probably would be considered legends by every club they played for just because they were generic legends in the football community. Everyone loves Gaza. Everyone loves Jurgen Klinsmann and anyone he played for. Even if they only played for him for six months and no one remembers him playing there, they'd be like, yeah, he's one of ours. He's our legend. Mm. They want to claim him. So I think there's an element of that. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's kind of a red herring, if that's false and really we should be kind of looking past that. Cause it, I cause think it, we it should feels, look past that. Yeah? It, it feels yeah. like heresy to say he's not. A legend for Spurs. I know. Yeah, and, and you, you don't know, sound like it's a criticism. It's just yeah, trying to be exactly. matter of fact about about. See, things. I think you can be loved by the club 
and not be a legend. And I think Klinsman falls firmly into that category. Mm. I think Lloris will for some as well. He doesn't for me. For me, Lloris is a Spurs legend. I think I agree. he's yeah. probably the best goalkeeper we've had since Pat Jennings. So mm. I know some Spurs fans might throw Ray Clements in there, but Ray Clements wasn't the same goalie for us that he was for Liverpool. And that's another factor, actually. Yeah. You want to be the best. You want that player's yeah. best time of their career to have been with you. And Klinsman does actually say that the best time of his career was his one year playing up front for us with Teddy Sheringham. So you want that. But yeah. I just think that Klinsman, he can be loved by the club without being... And he is loved by the club, apart from the fact that he's a really Definitely. good guy. Definitely. Listen, there, there's some Spurs fans who still haven't forgiven him for the way he left first time ridiculous mm. he had the chance to go to the biggest club in his homeland at the end of his career of course going he's going to clean make up that the Bundesliga choice. yeah well yeah let's talk about that Which so players it? leaving so players leaving obviously that's a big factor and there are several the obvious example is he who shall not be named probably well on course to being a Spurs legend and then threw it all away in spectacular fashion by going to Arsenal not quite as extreme as that but we've had Teddy Sheringham who left in sort of fairly unceremonious circumstances has been bad mouthing us fairly consistently since okay i know he came back as well but you know so all of that. i know where you're going Keane. with this and that's I my think... question you know, do you think to, and to what extent it impacts their legendary status can it be effectively revoked before you have a chance to have it cemented yes absolutely it definitely mitigates it because the thing is a big part of especially for a club like Spurs that has won a fair bit, but not won as much as it would have liked to. Um, And then let's look at smaller clubs than us who haven't won anything or not much Mm. at all. I genuinely think that the the player leaving factor, uh, especially if it's under a kind of a cloud, is, is a big thing because unfortunately a big part of what makes a player a legend is the romance that fans attach to them and that's through no fault of the players. At the end of the day, this is their career. But when the player suddenly does something that brings it all back home, that football is actually a very cynical sport where everyone's out for themselves. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it it, it takes the romance away. And the second the romance is taken away, it's very, very hard to get back. Harry Kane with his antics last summer. Yeah, that's a good question. If he had left and gone to City, first of all, first of all, is as things stand, would you say Harry Kane is a living Spurs legend, a current yes. Spurs legend? It's hard I to would. argue, is it? But had he gone to Man City last summer, as he almost apparently allegedly did, where would that leave him? I think time would have still seen him as a legend because yeah. across seven years, he would have still broken all these records as a Spurs player, still captained England to a World Cup final as a Spurs player, still yeah. given us all this magic as a Spurs player. I think there'd have been a lot of animosity if last summer he'd got his move in the way he was trying to mm. get his move. But yeah. I still think in 50 years time, as Son puts it, Spurs fans would still remember him and still yeah. love him. Assuming but, he hadn't done an Emmanuel Adebayor celebration and run off and Harry, with the away fans. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Kane has probably is probably a unique example in that mm. he's probably done enough to yeah. to cement that regardless of what happens next. However, and I still think he's got a chance of leaving us this summer. No one's if not this sure. summer, then it'll be next summer. And I genuinely think that a lot will rest on how he leaves us eventually because once again it's it's funny he may end up being the opposite of Klinsman he may end up being a Spurs legend who the club don't love if he leaves in the wrong way <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, he will leave us at some point I'm sure of it because yeah. I don't think in his lifetime we can do what we need to do to give him what he needs out of his career and mm. I accept that so it's all going to be about how he does it as far as I'm concerned 
I think the circumstances of the leaving obviously is a big thing. And I think a, a good example to bring up is obviously Gareth Bale, because we got a world record fee out of him. Forgetting the fact that he came back and gave us, you know, the, those brilliant moments again. I mean, that was that just adds to his claim for legend status. But, you know, the fact that we got 86 million at the time and that was a world record. He didn't know we were going to go and spend it on a load of rubbish, but it's, you know, we, <laughs> yeah, it, wasn't, it harsh wasn't too, we wanted him to stay. We, we would have rather him than the 80 million, I would imagine, especially in hindsight, but it, it wasn't so painful given that softening the blow. And um, there's a few examples of that, but what do you think about players like that? Because Modric is another example who was desperate to leave legends. us. And, no, would you? Because Modric, again, probably played his best football after leaving us, whereas Bale, it's debatable. Modric was a great example of the cynicism of football because, like yeah. Berbatov before him, we were a stepping stone and it was very, very obvious, unfortunately. Yeah. Bale, thing is with Bale, is he behaved badly to get his move. He did. He didn't train, he didn't go on pre season, all that kind of stuff. I think mm-hmm. he played half of one pre season match and he barely sort of broke out into a sweat. It was a bit like 33 year olds, Bale. However, <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't leaking stuff to the press like the Kane entourage. He wasn't speaking mm. publicly like Modric and Berbatov. He was keeping out the limelight and let it all happen. And that's when you almost have to also think there's a bit of a cold war here going on between the club and Bale to see how much face they can save by making the fans turn on Bale as well. You never know quite all the facts. And the club did that to an extent with Harry Kane last summer as well, though I, I genuinely believe Levy just didn't pick up the phone based on Guardiola's comments this season where they've tried for him four times. I think with Bale, yeah. I think with Bale, the fact that he came back, yeah. the fact that he has such a sort of endearing personality where he's a bit of a joker, he's yeah. he's a bit fun, but also the fact that he... He, he came through it not as a youth product. He, he gave Spurs magic... And, I mean, Kane gave has given us so much. He's given us more than Bale's given us. But Kane did it after a point where Spurs fans felt we were ready to go up to the level that Kane took us to. Kane was the guy to take us mm. to it, but Spurs had been teetering on the edge of that for a good few years, whereas Bale was part of that sort of transition from muddling club to actually exciting club. I mean, under Harry Redknapp with Bale and the team, we played the best football yeah. in the league, maybe even in Europe for a season or two. And that was a midfield of Bale and Modric and Lennon and and I'm depressing myself here and uh, <laughs> Van der Vaart all at the same time. It was wonderful to watch. The good old one defensive midfielder strategy that takes us yeah. back to the 90s. And uh, what what a good old f***ing 4-4-2, they say. But, um, yeah. but Bale, we saw him break in as a 17-year-old for us when we got him from Southampton. We saw him get horrendous injuries and lose his confidence. And then it was sort of the... Everyone was writing him off. There was this horrible record. There's a lot of magic yeah. about the Bale story. And he he, point, he yeah. basically achieved what Kane was trying to achieve last summer. So therefore, his credibility should take a hit. But because of the relationship he had with the fans, which I believe was greater than the relationship Kane yeah. has had with the fans... And because of the protectiveness, Spurs fans almost feel fatherly towards Gareth Bale. He's like every Spurs yeah, fan's kid or every Spurs fan's little brother. Since. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly volumes. like yeah. Real Madrid fans are nasty to Bale, and yeah. he's not a Real Madrid standing legend. up for Bale. He should exactly. be, but he's not. They probably yeah, wouldn't he, put him there. He he's the reason um, they finally won the Champions League. It just wasn't happening, despite you know they had Ronaldo, they had Kaká, they had Benzema. Eventually, they got Modric and Cruz. And just couldn't crack it until so we're the season Bale joined. So you're saying Spurs are the reason they won the Spurs Champions League. Spurs are the reason Modric won the Champions yeah. League four times. Fair enough. Spurs have won four Champions Elliot. Leagues. 
Yeah. Elliot, when you were talking about Modric leaving, all I could think about, and you remember this, the letter. That letter that was going around, the, the no like chicken badge letter. I don't know if you remember this, Joe. I've actually just found it while you were talking. It was this, someone had just written up this letter saying, this is Luka Modric's official written transfer request. And it goes, no like chicken badge, no like threaten Luka, no like wages, no like little stadium, no like you break gentleman agreement. Wow, <laughs> that one's come back around. No like share room with monkey, no like play football Thursdays to Miss EastEnder, no like play with tall circus man. <laughs> no like play with rush goalie no understand glory glory hotspur song no understand word trific <laughs> now must free luca i am peacock let me fly thank you very i leave now el modric <laughs> looking past um the fact that the that that uh will hopefully not attract any um keyboard warriors to criticize us <laughs> reading out that level letter that was hilarious uh yeah. for full clarity not the monkey he rooms was, was Gareth Bale. There was nothing more illicit than that in that. I'm glad you the, clarified that, Elio. Yeah. <laughs> the circus man was Peter Crouch, who I of think course. would describe himself as such quite happily as well. Absolutely. Um, the rush goalie was Herelio Gomez. And uh, <laughs> Trific was man very rush much... goalie. Sometimes he's in, sometimes he's out. <laughs> and Trific was very much a reference to, um, yeah. to Harry Redknapp's uh, vernacular. Yeah. But I think... Yeah. And and the whole thing came out because it came out in the press through his agent that we'd broken the gentleman's agreement and Le- Modric had written an angry letter to Levy, basically. And it was quite funny at the time. Yeah, I think Something's never changed. If you're going to start putting people like Defoe and Keane into the, the legend bracket, then you also have to ask questions about many others who have had similar kind of levels of achievements as well. And and it just dilutes the word legend too much. Like, like I yeah. said, players who we love not legends, in my opinion. I think there's something to be said about that because I think the way you see the player after they've left speaks volumes while they're playing. Mm. You're happy for them when they score for another team or for their international team, as the case may be with Gareth Bale. I think that says a lot. If you're kind of a bit bitter about it, that probably tells you um, a bit of the story. But I'm curious what you think, Joe, about... Because Elio's kind of gone through quite a few players from the same era or I guess maybe that whole transitional Marseignol, Harry Redknapp through to Pochettino time frame we've had a lot of good players in that time are there any from you know basically our time watching spurs let's let's take it right back to those days let's say yo onwards because that's i think we can all agree that's more or less the time we started becoming half decent because don't get me wrong we would have had some players before then that would fall into the legend category gary mabbott for example no doubt mm. about it spurs legend without i mean question. gary mabbott won a european trophy yeah and he was our captain he was, was with us for 20 ever. years yeah, yeah, that doesn't. Even, we don't even need to try and explain that one. But just from this era, from the era that we remember well, and the players there, and managers, by the way, because all three of these managers should be in the conversation. I don't know if I would go as far as to call any of Redknapp, Yol, or Pochettino a Spurs legend. Pochettino is the one that I'm most inclined to. But any of those that you think need to be at that table and that you put into the category? We've talked about Harry Kane, obviously. Yeah, it feels like we've mentioned quite a few of them. I mean... We had that, yeah, we did have this this period, sort of late noughties, where it felt like, you know, we, and we've talked about this so many times in this podcast, where we started to transition from this team that kept coming fifth to a team that was starting to lock in Champions yeah. League football. And it was such an exciting time. It was so weird after, like, supporting Spurs for, I don't know, 20 years, about 20 yeah. years by that point. Well, maybe, maybe 15 years and Spurs were actually becoming, you know, getting to the top table of football at last. But we, we had quite a, mm. a high turnover of players as well. So we had people That's come true. in that 
you know, did a job or came in with, with good for several years and then kind of moved on again. And it was either Steve because... Steve Marbrunk. <laughs> players like that. Steve not, Marbrunk, not Lee Young, Lee Young Piao. Like, they, they took us to another level for a period until we wanted to upgrade yeah. again, basically. I don't and, have to and ask we have, you why they're not legends. And we had players who kind of like you know, sort of burned out maybe a little bit and, and couldn't quite go to that next level. Like sort of someone like Darren Bent maybe comes to mind where I thought he was brilliant when we signed him. But you know, I wouldn't say that he was champion. No one's gonna call Canada. him a Spurs legend, <laughs> are they? No. You know, and, then, right, so... and then you had other players, as you mentioned, who just saw Spurs as a stepping stone. And it felt like that was happening mm. quite a lot in the twenty tens as well, to be honest. Felt like that was going on with Real Madrid sort of every season, every summer. Uh, you know, our best player would maybe try yeah. and go there. So yeah. it is difficult to kind of necessarily pick out people that you would say were, were bona fide legends. I, I'm trying to think of like... It's difficult because there are a lot of people that cross your mind, but let me give some names out to you and just kind of... Should we do something of a kind of semi-quickfire round? So Peter Crouch, you said this was us getting into the Champions League. He was the man whose header got us into the Champions League. We talked about moments. Very likable guy across football, arguably a football legend. Is he a Spurs legend? Scored a lot of goals for us, was a good player. Maybe not the best. Is the circus freak a Spurs legend? No. It's <laughs> quote a Kamodric. No? He's, he's, he's in the loved category. Loved yeah, rather yeah. than legend. Everyone loves everyone loves Peter Crouch, but yeah. he probably falls short of he, legend, doesn't he? He scored what? the header that sealed it. Jermaine Defoe yeah. scored 15 more goals than him that season or something like that. Go. And a 5-1 and one game against Wigan. So, Where do we land on Defoe, by the way? Do you put him in that category? I do not. Love not okay, legend. Interesting. What about someone like Jan Vertonghen? Spurs legend? I, I think he's a Spurs legend. Interesting. Why Jan Vertonghen, say, and not Jermaine Defoe, for example? I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. Just Jermaine Defoe advocate. was consistent, was actually not consistently excellent or consistently mm. good. Jermaine Defoe was sometimes excellent, sometimes good, often a non-event. Jan Vertonghen, in my opinion, bar a couple of periods, one of which was under Tim Sherwood, which we can forgive, was mm. a consistently excellent player for us across a very long period of time and also someone that had a huge affinity with the fans as well uh yeah. i think for me i wouldn't even question it i mean I, I agree for what it's worth i'm just curious i want to know why i agree if you know what i mean yeah it's weird this is almost like when you're trying to i mean i'm not speaking from experience but it's like trying to plan a wedding and knowing where to cut off the points of invites like oh if you invite him then you kind of have to invite him or it's not fair it's a bit like that because now i'm thinking what about out of our world who is you know he kind of goes hand in hand probably falls a bit short of where the Tongan was in our estimations arguably a better player at points according to some I know Elio you're a big Vertonghen fan in that debate but would you have to put him in that bracket as well didn't play I think for quite some as people long. would but he wasn't with us quite as long he was never quite the same after his yeah. big injury a couple of years in and he also caused us all sorts of trouble behind the scenes when he didn't sign a contract that Pochettino had got for him and mm. then and then okay. sort of caused a bit of turmoil so and also to tell you the truth Vertonghen had a personality that you just gravitated towards. Yeah, Alderweireld. Super Yan. I like I like Alderweireld the player. I couldn't tell you much about Alderweireld the personality though. Whereas Vertonghen was sort of this slightly childish, mm. slightly kind of charismatic fellow, wasn't he? If you were inviting people to a wedding and I was choosing a table to sit on, I would definitely sit on the one with Jan Vertonghen, not the one with Alderweireld. I reckon he'd be much better company. What um, about you, Joe? Do you think Vertonghen's a Spurs legend? Well, I want to go back to Dags's criteria and system of, of picking out legends here because is Jan Vertonghen going to be talked about by Spurs fans in 50 years? Good question. I don't know, to be honest. Remember that it's always tougher for defenders as well. Yeah, but that's a good point. That's true. That's mm. true. I think he's 
the best Spurs defender of the past decade. I mean, that's that's a good claim in itself. Isn't and it? was consistently excellent the entire time. The fact that he came straight after Ledley King and yeah. wasn't arguably another a no brainer. Yeah, another no brainer for what it's worth. Um, yeah. I think he would be talked about Spurs fans in fifty years. Yeah. What about someone like Christian Eriksen, Joe? Because Similar to a lot of players we just mentioned, left in slightly odd circumstances. But again, someone who's loved throughout football, a great player for us, one of the defining players of our best period of football. What do you think as the legend status? Where's he yeah, falling? I, I, I don't know if he gets legend status. I think there's a few boxes that aren't ticked with Ericsson. Mm. And also, it did feel like a lot of people were getting frustrated with him in, in the last couple of seasons he was with us, where his performances just were nowhere near. He down tools a know. little bit, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, when he left, it was weird because he really struggled at Inter and they realised he was quite good and they did win <laughs> the Scudetto. And then, of course, his status for Denmark, he is a Denmark legend. Must have had a good manager. Mm. But I don't know if he's a Spurs legend. But he's, yeah, football, say he's probably a football legend. Sports. Yeah. Even before what happened to him, even before his heart attack, I think he was pretty universally loved. And that's kind of just kicked it on a bit because everyone loves the story and the fact that he made it through and everything. But I think he was a football legend generally, or at least a very popular figure before. See, that's the thing. I that. don't think many people outside of Spurs fans quite appreciated what Ericsson was. I mean, Spurs fans were surprised mm. that Real Madrid never once and got him when they just paid northern amount for Eden Hazard and they're in the same contract situation and Ericsson had done everything for us that Hazard had done for Chelsea yeah, other than yeah. win a trophy um, <laughs> but um, but I genuinely think Ericsson was actually criminally underrated by anyone who didn't watch him all the time but those of us who did watch him all the time what a beautiful player to watch the, the guy was a an absolute artist but his final sort of six months a year maybe he did down tools to an extent he, he his head was clearly elsewhere I never actually begrudged him the idea of leaving because I always thought to myself you know what why not you're not a boy that's grown up supporting yeah. Tottenham you're you're someone forget about winning things just he seems an intelligent bloke just the opportunity while you're young and on top of the world and have this beautiful family to go and live in Milan or Madrid or wherever else I completely get that with, with not just him with all footballers tell you the truth so I never yeah. begrudged him the move but I wish he'd maybe played a bit better towards the end I think if he had that would have cemented him as being at least very close to being legendary um yeah. I think, I don't know why, uh, and I'm trying not to get too caught up in this. This is where romance overrides cynicism again. Yeah. I'm not convinced that time has run out for Ericsson to become a Spurs legend. Do you mean it would have to be him coming back for a romantic return Bale style? It would have to be, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's younger okay. than Bale was for the a start. The jury's still on that one then, isn't it? But I'm not convinced that <laughs> he couldn't end up being. What I will say is that I almost think... That because of what he's been through in the past year with his heart, mm. he's probably been universally forgiven for any kind of conceived misdemeanor that Spurs yeah. fans attribute to him. And therefore, he's probably held in the same esteem now as if he'd maybe left before his form tailed off. It's comparable to what Joe was describing about Bale earlier. Obviously, very different situations. One of them nearly died and the other one just had a few fans that didn't like him. But it's the whole underdog thing, you know, the fact that you root for him and you feel for him and you want him to come good and you almost kind of take his side a little bit. I think there's probably a bit of that in it. Um, yeah, it's almost like he's our twat and we can call him a twat, but you can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how you guys speak about me, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because 
sometimes you can't quite put your finger on why. And that's why I thought this would be an interesting discussion because it's there's that old saying and there's probably different derivatives of this saying and I'm choosing a particularly strange one. But if you're trying to define something as pornography, it's very difficult. But sometimes you just know. You look at it and you know it's wrong. There's something not right, right. Like, that's porn. I can't say why that's porn. It just is. I'm keeping this in the podcast, by the way. None of this is getting cut. Um, and it's, there is a kind of... I'm not going to watch it? any more football matches sat next to you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean, though? Like, I know this almost, like, invalidates this entire discussion. But that's why it's difficult. Because sometimes there is just an X factor. You can't put your it finger on it. You can't feeling. put it into words. You're just like, yeah, he's a legend and he isn't. And that's why it's interesting to try and figure out where the line is and just see if there is a way of, of, of isolating that and pinpointing it. Ericsson probably suffers from the fact that he played in such a good Spurs side where Dembele probably actually gets more of a glint from Spurs fans than he does, which I think is a bit unfair on yeah. Ericsson personally. Yeah. Uh, the Tongan probably gets more of a nods in some circles even Danny Rose might Hugo um, I'm so glad you brought up Danny Rose Harry Kane being <laughs> the player Harry Kane is obviously probably gets more of a a nod uh, yeah. I think the truth Son probably gets more of a look into the legendary debates than Ericsson Son, that's, yeah I just with that to, I was about to say and, and this is actually something that's kind of just occurred to me I think some of it is kind of down to just on the field charisma a little bit and maybe that's that missing piece that you don't realise because I'm not saying that Ericsson there's anything wrong with him but he was he seemed quite introverted on the pitch he didn't really see him in interviews that much he didn't seem like he didn't have the, that kind of huge larger than life persona on the pitch like someone like Son or Vertonghen running off doing Superman mm. Super Yan celebrations I feel like if, if Ericsson was a bit more animated on the pitch and that's a horrible thing to say but you know what I mean um, I, I, <laughs> that wasn't a bad joke by the way I'm probably going to cut that out I feel bad about even saying that by accident but you know what I mean if he was a little bit more playing up to the crowd I know it, what you know you mean. getting you going and he didn't really do that and maybe that's the difference in our minds between someone like him and someone like Bale someone like Son you know the entertainers and he was entertaining in the way he played but maybe not in kind of all the rest of it the whole package well, no, pitch. I, I think that's fair because charisma is a big part of whether or not the, mm. the fans have an affinity with that player at the end of the day and I Before think I just made a joke about Chris Erickson's heart attack and called him boring in the same breath that's really bad <laughs> I'm going to hell Sorry, you are. Um, so I think a perceived lack of charisma will definitely hinder a player achieving yeah. this sort of nadir of legendary status. However, mm. I think most Manchester United fans call Paul Scholes a legend. So, but that's yeah, but he that's different. You can't compare Ericsson to Scholes. I'm not saying which is better. Skulls is, you know, boyhood product, spent his entire career there. You can't really compare that. I know, I know the point you're making. That's so the thing. is Nicky Button. It, He's not a legend. It can be, them. it can be the one that draws the line. Yeah, yeah. But then maybe he wasn't good enough. Maybe that's just one of the components missing. But then I guess coming back to Gaza, Gaza's the exact opposite. Like who has a bigger, larger than life personality than than Gaza? And maybe the fact that he was, you know, he might have been a brilliant player for us if he had been a bit of a kind of boring personality on the pitch. Maybe we wouldn't have seen him in the same way as, uh, as some of these these others. Um, who have we missed, Joe? Is there anyone that you think... I mean, there are some that we've probably missed because it's too mm. obvious to even even go mm. into. Like Steve Perryman, for example, you know, greatest ever yeah. appearance maker. Is there anyone that you think is kind of in that borderline category that you think warrants discussion or a mention? Well, I don't know. One decade we seem to have kind of skipped quite a bit is the 80s. I don't know if that's intentional, but we haven't really talked about, yeah. you know, sort of hoddle... Ozzy Ardilis, Ricky Villa, 
Is that is that because they're too obvious? Hoddle again is an obvious one, I think, for anyone. Yeah, I mean, Hoddle, Steve Perryman's our record appearance maker. He was yeah. our captain. Gary Mabbitt's next yeah. analyst from Perryman. Hoddle is obviously a Spurs legend. He's probably our greatest yeah. ever player. I mean, that, I tell you what, we talk about the longevity factor. Clive Allen had one great yes. year for us, but it was an insane year <laughs> yeah. where he scored a 49 goals across yeah. Yeah. all competitions. Yeah, so that, that does he have an argument to it? I was about to. I've, I've got him written down. You, you'll be pleased to hear that I started writing a list. I'm not going to read out the whole list because that's boring. Mm. But he is. He was one of the names I wrote down pretty quickly because yeah, that's the stuff people remember. It was a record-breaking I mean, year. Whereas Gary Lineker, a better striker than Clive Allen, who had a great goal-scoring mm. record for us yeah. and was with us for longer is probably not considered Spurs legend, and he won a trophy, which Clive Allen didn't. So. That's, that's another interesting one with Lineker, because he's, okay, he's not universally loved, he's got his critics, but I think he's quite a fairly popular character among football, I would say, on the whole, and probably and he came a to legend. us after Definitely an England but, legend. Yeah. But Venables again. came over, brought Lineker with him. I mean, Lineker scored 67 goals in 105 games in that's a time funny. when you played two up top in... Uh, Spurs side that wasn't that great. And um, he won the I FA mean, Cup. And he, I, I, and I think he this, was this again falls into what you yeah. were just saying, Dags, which is that he was an England legend. And the other downer is he'd become a legend mm. before he came to Spurs. Because I'm pretty sure when I was mm. really young, he was my favourite Spurs player. But when I think about it, it's probably because of Italia 90 and the fact... You're showing your age here, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know, giving it away. But also the fact that, you know, and, and I didn't really realise this when I was that young, but with hindsight, he was the top scorer at the 86 World Cup. So he, he is yep. not just an England legend, he's a World Cup legend. That's yeah. that's a bit different from kind of doing it with the club necessarily. He was just a top quality yeah. player that came here yeah. for a few years. Even I'll talk about Gary Lineker at club level, though. Like, Gary Lineker, you know, he never won a league. All right, he won the second division with Leicester, but he never actually... He was with Everton in the 80s when Everton were winning the league constantly. That almost makes it better, though. That almost makes it better because he didn't win anything with anyone else either, so it's okay. (laughs) He went to Barcelona and didn't win the league. All right, he did win the Cup Winners' Cup and the Spanish Cup, so he won a substantial amount with them, but not that much. He won the FA Cup with us. Like, Gary Lineker, for internationally, we all obviously know Mm. the story there as well. So Gary Lineker, definitely in contention to be talked about amongst the greatest sort of strikers of all time, doesn't have a league title mm. to his name. It was also in a time when league titles were, well, league titles have always been important, but yeah. other titles that weren't league titles were considered important as well, which we know is no longer really yeah. common opinion. But when Gary Lineker was with us and he scored as many goals with us as he did, and it's a really good goal record, 67 league goals in three seasons. I mean, 67 in three seasons, 67 in 105 league appearances. That's an incredible strike rate. I mean, his final season with us before he essentially retired, he went off to Japan and was injured all the time. He got 28 goals in 35 games. That's disgusting. Outrageous goal hanging. And this was in a two-man strike force, not in a one. And this was for a very poor Spurs side, which actually finished third that season. Mm. So... So I really don't sort of get how we don't talk about Gary Lineker, but maybe Gary Lineker is also the reason why we can't talk about a Jermaine mm. Defoe or a Robbie Keane or a Teddy Sheringham yeah. as a legend because it's crazy he's not that he never won the title with some of the clubs that he played for as well. It's almost like Brazilian Ronaldo mm. never won the Champions League. That always gets me, always surprises me, considering the teams that he played for. Mm. Um, you mentioned Gary Lineker being a World Cup legend. Brings me to Ozzy Ardiles. I mean. 
there were songs about Ozzy Ardiles. He was, you know, a, a trailblazer in many ways. Is he a Spurs legend? Not as a manager. Absolutely. <laughs> you... Is there any question? Yeah, that, that took away yeah, his legend about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I let players off when it comes to coming back and being a failed manager because so many players have done that. Is Alan Shearer not a Newcastle legend? No. I mean, I think there's there's always going to be, you know, or Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Ozzy Ardiles was with us for a decade either side of the Falklands War. Ozzy Ardiles arrived as a legend and then became a bigger legend with us. He had that affinity with the Ticks entire fan base. And won the he FA Cup. absolutely loved. Twice. Hence having a song about him. He won a whole bunch of trophies. He was an exceptional footballer as well. We were just promoted when we signed Ozzy Ardiles and in his time here we yeah. won two FA Cups and a European trophy. The, the guy's absolutely a Spurs legend. He's also always spoken excellently about, about the club important. and his time in England and like Argentinian television you know, it is important. You can't talk about Ardiles without talking about Villa who all of those points apply to a degree but nowhere near to the same degree but he did score that famous goal in the final <laughs> that won us one of those trophies which is yeah. a factor. Is Ricky Villa a Spurs legend? I think Villa is. I think he played long enough for us. I think he definitely had the affinity with the fans. And he didn't score that many for us, but he was part of probably every Spurs fan who would have lived through that time. Most memorable moments as a Spurs fan. So, So absolutely. I mean... Even though Ricky Villa may no, not be Aussie Ardiles, what Ricky Villa has is the Jonathan Woodgate moment combined with the level of service of a Jermaine Defoe or a Robbie Keane combined, and I don't mean in terms of scoring yeah. goals because he wasn't a goal scorer, but uh, combined yeah. with sort of the mystique of being one of the two Argentinians that trophy. came over to this newly promoted side after we'd won the World Cup. And won a trophy. So he ticks all the boxes. He's got the magic. And we're talking about him in a lot of detail 40 years on yeah. from that. Yeah, exactly. And I guarantee we'll be talking about him in 10 years' time. So, Elio, you might have just walked into a trap inadvertently there because I'm going to describe a... This is almost like an early Who Am I here, but I'm going to tell you about a Spurs player who played for us for a hell of a long time, came through our youth ranks, had an amazing moment where he scored a wonder goal on his debut against Arsenal. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this? He ticks a lot of boxes, but... The way it ended and the way he so was. So Danny Rose had... Is that what stops Danny Rose? And he was a great player. No, he was consistently he one of the best. Danny Rose had a very good 24 months where he was probably the best left back in the league. Before okay. that, he was a gobby little sod who <laughs> went on loan and kept yapping about how he wanted to learn to be permanent because he was respected and he deserved to play first team football. He like This is a 20-year-old mm-hmm. at that point. He... came back and would consistently lose the ball upfield and not track back. He he always saw a lot of raw elements in his game. He always had a bit of pace, uh, was an okay passer, he was an aggressive tackler, so you saw a lot of it, even from when he started out in midfield. But before he became good under Pochettino, he was already burning bridges. And then he gave that interview and burnt the bridge, burnt the dam, burnt the whole fucking river, and then threw himself into it. Was this yeah. the Google thing? Uh, I mean, the, you, imagine the saying players, about Google signing players like you that. have to Google when not one of us had heard of him when we signed him. Not one of us had heard yeah, of his teammate, exactly. Deli Alley, when we signed him. Uh, like, what a yeah. dickhead thing to say. And... Mm. And sounds like a no from Elio Joe. And he was never that good after the big injury anyway. Like for two years he was exceptional, yeah. but that two years has conned a lot of people into thinking that 
it was more than two years. Like it really was just from the middle of Pochettino's first season to the middle of Pochettino's third season, after which Ben Davies became the superior fullback. And he is not a Spurs legend. Fair enough. Well, look, I would love to keep talking about this for a long time. And it's the sort of thing that we could go on forever and ever about, to be honest with you. And and I mean, how can you even say Danny Rose off the back of me talking about Ricky Villa? Ricky Villa scored a cup final goal. Ricky Villa was and is a wonderful human being with whom all Spurs fans have an affinity. Ricky Villa is part of an absolute defining moments not just Spurs but British football history as the first two non-British players to arrive on this shores and play for an English club like Danny Rose is someone who could have had a lot more if he didn't have such a big fucking mouth and such a little fucking heart Joe I'm feeling a really strong tug on the end of my fishing rod right now it's, it's almost <laughs> pulling me into the water it's, it's really aggressive now Elio point very very well made and look I just I said earlier I made a list of all of the ones that came to my mind and I know completely I would have missed a few out and we've probably mentioned a few today that we missed out but I'm just going to flick through the list quickly just to see if there's any I can name that we haven't talked about I think we mentioned and then Danny Rose actually (laughs) blames the fact that he gave that interview on something like mental health problems I'm sorry if you've got severe mental health problems to that extent that you're giving that interview and as you know mental health is something that I unfortunately vicariously deal with a lot because of people close to me who are severely afflicted by it. And Danny Rose coming out and blaming him giving that interview and the way he did it and some of his yeah. behaviour on having mental health issues while still not being so mentally health afflicted that he can't play football for a hundred grand a week. It's just such a load of nonsense. So not only is he actually an absolute sort of bellend for giving that interview and disrespectful to his teammates, but he's either a liar or a hypocrite and neither of those are forgivable. Is everything all right with you, Adio? Are you, are you okay? Do you need do you need a moment? Do you want to go and make yourself a my- drink? I have my triggers. I can't wait for Socks to listen to this and his reaction. He's going to absolutely love this segment of the show. Um, He's going to kick himself for missing this he episode. He is, yeah. He was, meant to be, he was meant to be tagging in for Dave, <laughs> Elio's cousin Socks. He might remember if he'd known from episode you, you were three. setting this trap for him, he would have come He would on. have mentioned Danny Rose way earlier than I had. But anyway, <laughs> um, if you're done, Elio, if you don't mind me just running through a few of these players that we might not have gone. I and mean, to be honest, we've, we've named most of them. I've got Cyril Knowles down just because I thought mm. of the Aussie song and I thought of him and he was playing for a long time. Obviously, Arthur Rowe as well, the the pioneer of push and run kind of maybe the original Guardiola with the, with his style Arthur Rowe definitely Arthur Rowe went over to I think it was Hungary and brought back um, yeah. good football brought back good football mm. to England when yeah. midfielders were pointless at that point essentially so no Arthur Rowe is yeah. definitely a Spurs legend and he won us the league I'm assuming Dembele kind of falls into the same category as someone like Alderweire a sort of consistently good player but doesn't quite Tick all the boxes, perhaps. I think so. Um, I've got Chris Waddle down here. It's one that I thought was worth a mention. I don't remember him playing, to be honest with you, but he's a name that... I mean, none of us will. I mean, we we were respectively 3-3-2 and when he left us. Um, But if you watch old videos of Chris Waddle, he was a magician. And anybody Mm. who did watch him, not just while he was playing with Hoddle, but after Hoddle left and he became the main playmaker... Yeah. will absolutely sort of sing his praises. He also had a bit of overlap with Gaza, which is something that doesn't get talked about, yeah. but imagine how beautiful that know, must Lineker. have been. No, he didn't. That was the crime yeah. that we signed We signed yeah, Lineker, Lineker and then sold him about how that's the only reason he wanted to come to Spurs so that he could get... He said like he heard that Waddle left. He goes, oh, there goes 20 goals a season from his crosses. Um, Joe's favourite player, Darren Anderton. <laughs> Does he go on the Legends bus? 
Spurs legend, right? Or is that in question? No. I mean, I mean, he, he was one of my favourite players when I was growing up. I really, really liked Dan Anderson. But, yeah. I mean, maybe he's more in the loved category than legends. Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm sure with all of these, there will be people who disagree. But that's the fun of it. I think this isn't... Absolutely. This is, a, I think this is obviously th- of course. subjective. We can't be... The thing is with someone like Anderson is you always have that kind of what could you have actually achieved question mark in your mind. Yeah. Whereas with... Some like Ginola, you yeah. thought you've, and even Klinsman, who we're not putting in sort of that top tier, you mm. think to yourself, you gave us the very best version you could have ever given of yourself, and no one else got it, and we love you. Whereas Darren Anson, I always feel like as much as he played for us and as much as he did for us, he could have given us even more than he did. And I think that yeah. always takes away ever so slightly. Unless you're Lady King, in which case, what he gave was enough. Obviously, I mean, he didn't, yeah. he didn't need to uh, not have the injuries. We mentioned, I just want to go over managers quickly. Obviously, Bill Nicholson, without question. Terry Venables, player and manager, both with distinction. Another one who's generally loved and respected throughout football. Put him in, Spurs legend. Um, it's hard to say without having watched him play, I guess, or knowing too much about him as a player. But I think I he don't was think a, he was meant to be a particularly brilliant player for us. Yeah. I think he was meant to be all right. He did win the FA Cup as a manager, though. That's got to count for something. I mean, when I hear the generation above describe him i never hear of them talking about him with that much affection mm. like like him not sort of too much more than that but maybe this is why we need someone from the generation i was gonna say we should on have brought one of your dads on we should have brought big mike on or your dad elio we should have had uh should have had <laughs> uh, some some expert outside counsel well i think i'm almost done i think I've, I've gone through most of my list and i'm sure i've missed something i'm sure we've missed some as as a collective so um obviously this is something we can talk about for ages we'd love to get your opinions Please don't crucify us for any of our... Um, Elio will defend any of his decisions to the death, but if you disagree with anything we've said, then uh, you know I want to qualify that this is all a bit of fun and it's difficult to really say with any certainty whether someone counts as a legend because no one really knows what that means. And we're none the wiser as to what that means, even though we've just spent the best part of an hour trying to define it. But I had fun. I don't know about you. Joe, any closing thoughts on the whole legend debate before we move on to challenge Elio or anything that you think we've missed? Um, that was really fun. I, I liked going through the criteria for this because it, it evolved. There were quite a lot of points. I didn't consider that there were things that would de-legendize you, you know, so there's some people who maybe could have been if it weren't for the way they left. There is one name I don't recall mentioning. Okay. And I, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at our, our highest transfer fees for players sold. Oh, and Dombele, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, I was looking at the incoming yeah. list and I thought there's nobody on that list. <laughs> No. That's going to get in. Um, but on the list going out, Michael Carrick, I don't think we talked about. Again, bigger I mean, legend Car- for Man United, probably. Absolutely. And Carrick, I think, only really gave us six great months in the second mm. half of his second season. So he was wonderful to watch in those six months. Before that, he hadn't really come out of his shell, uh, as I remember it. I think the other thing with Carrick is, once again, we were the stepping stone for him. Yeah. In fairness, Joe, I did write him on my shortlist. He was one of the names I wrote down, but it was it was more to discuss or to to go over it. But I think we we kind of covered him in other players, if that makes sense. Brilliant. Well, get in touch if you're listening. You'll know by now if you're a long term listener. We are on Twitter. We are on Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast, and you can email us at plusdavepodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to get your thoughts on this. And in fact, I think I might run a few series 
of polls on this point, just on some of the more contentious ones, just to see what you all think. Always interested to see what people think and whether you would put someone on the legend bracket or not. So uh, just for a bit of fun, you might see a few of those on our Twitter. So come and follow us and let us know what you think and, and let us know what you think the criteria is for being a Spurs legend. It sounds like from our point of view, it's a combination of several factors, longevity, quality, moments, trophies, likability on the pitch and money, it would seem seems to play a big point a big factor in this basically players chasing a better deal somewhere else so uh, i think we've got as close as we can to defining it tangibly don't you think elio i do think we have just a quick word for arthur Rowe because it's not a name that we're likely to ever mention much on this mm. podcast but when arthur Rowe took over spurs we hadn't been in the top flight for a decade and a half he took yeah. us up to the top flight in his first season in charge and then in his second season in charge won us the league title, the Outrageous. first of our history. I mean, first of all, which other club post-World War Two has had consecutive titles in the second tier and the top tier of English football? I don't mm. think any. Second of all, which manager... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's that surpasses Guardiola winning every trophy on the planet in his first season as Barcelona manager. There you go. That is incredible. Yeah. That would be and- the equivalent of... Leeds having won the league last season under <laughs> yeah. Bielsa. That, that, that's league, what that yeah. would be. And I mean, you, you mentioned the Guardiola. I kind of joked at it earlier. It's almost like the blueprint for what has become Tiki Taka because it's the whole push and run thing that he was famed for, isn't it? I mean, it seems so obvious and simple now. It's basically just the idea of playing the ball and then running into space to receive it again, which is just such a basic thing. But that was supposedly revolutionary back then. I don't know what players were doing. I don't know if they were all playing like Burnley or, you know, like us for our third goal the other day. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things that is just, it's huge in football, but happened so long ago that I think people have forgotten about it. So, no, well said and um, good good one to bring up. Fantastic. Shall we get into a bit of Challenge Elio this week, even though it's one-on-one and Joe is probably feeling like he's got a bit of a battle on his hands? All ready Let's for that? For Joe, yeah. are you a bit nervous that you're taking on Spurs Rain Man single-handedly without your buddy Dave in your corner? I absolutely am. Well, you should be. I don't have Dave here to do Who Am I? Yeah, that is Dave's specialty, to be honest. Um, and I, I have got a Who Am I to wrap things up. But for our first question, and I've only got only have two, including the Who Am I this week. And um, mm-hmm. if anyone's wondering what we're talking about, Challenge Elio is our trivia round. So we're going to do a Joe versus Elio Spurs trivia game now. And I quite like what we did last week in our kind of penalty shootout format, where we had a sudden death scenario. So what I'm going to get you guys to do is to take it in turns to try and name players who have had at least 250 appearances for Spurs and there are quite a few of them there's I think 30 give or take so you should be getting quite deep into this before you miss one but the rules are if you miss if you don't get one on the list and the other person does just like penalties it's sudden death you lose so it could be over very quickly or we could be here a while. The big question. So wait, what? W- what are we answering again? So it's basically our all-time appearance record holders. So I've got a list of all of the Spurs, all players. League or all games? Oh, I assume this is all games. I assume this okay. is all games. So yeah, I think this this tied in quite nicely with the legends chat. So uh, Joe, I think given that you're not on a team this week and you are running running solo, I'll give you the first stab. Can you name somebody who appears on this list? Uh, yeah, let me go with Steve Parryburn, who's that's, come up yeah, a couple of times yeah, that, that, today. That's, that's probably a safe bet, and we yeah, we, we definitely gave you a bit of help with that one, but I'm <laughs> sure you'd have got him anyway. Steve Perryman is, of course, our all-time record appearance maker with 613, according to this. Does that sound right, Elia? I mean, I know it's over 600. Yeah. I, I couldn't have told you the exact number. A lot there of this is going to be guesswork. Um, 
Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle is in the list. You have to forgive me because it's quite small font I'm looking at and I'm having to scroll. So don't panic if I don't say it straight away. But of course, Glenn Hoddle is there. In at number eight, I believe, with 336 appearances. And of course, I suppose legend, as are many of these. Joe? Um, I'll go for Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy Greaves is in there with 321 Spurs appearances. I'm keeping note of these, by the way. I know you are probably too, Elio, because you don't trust me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm trusting you. I, I mean, it's the second summer. There's 30 uh, on the list. See. We've named three, so we've got a few. Ledley King. Ledley King is in the list. He is he's not in it by far, though. He has 268. So that was that was quite close. 268. I mean, to be fair, he was injured for two-thirds of his career. So he'd be top of the list if he had two knees. There you go. Ledley King, four category for, uh, legends so far. I'll go for Harry Kane. Harry Kane is there. One place above Ledley King and rising with 270 appearances for Spurs. Some of these are pretty close to the mark, though. So, also, might... is it two fifty? Two hundred fifty, yeah. And there's thirty of them. I thought Kane would have been over three hundred quite easily. I mean, he's, he's getting there. You'd think so with how many goals he'd scored. But um, yeah. it's just how good he is. So, I'm going to do this just out of spite to deny Joe the chance of going for him and say Darren Anderson. <laughs> I knew it as soon as you said it. Darren Anderson. Yeah, of course, Darren Anderson is in there. He's <laughs> about 15th. I can't be bothered to count them because I've not got them numbered. He had 298 Spurs appearances, which, again, is impressive considering how often he was injured. So there you go. Anderson, that is six. Uh, I've got a couple of 90s ideas here, mm. so I'll go for Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham. Is not there. Ooh. Teddy Sheringham. Let me just double check that because he must be fairly close. No, so I have to there is. My so now to win. Elio has an open goal staring at him. <laughs> He's got how many? 24 to hit. Over to you, Elio, <laughs> for the win. I don't know if I want to go for a tap in or if I want Are to you try go, and go for, for the something? spectacular. I'm going to try and go for the spectacular. Going to give Joe a chance. Look at this mercy he's showing you. Let's have it. Well, I'm going to... Hmm. <laughs> I'm making a rod for my own back here, but I'm going to go for David Howells. <laughs> David Howells? First of all, would you put him in the Spurs legend category? Absolutely not. <laughs> Thankfully for you, he is in the list with 277 <laughs> Spurs appearances. He was a youth product, wasn't he? Or he was there for a lo- obviously there for a long time, but he was there from I a young age. I think he was a youth product. I think he was a youth yeah. product. Yeah, he's actually he's quite a good example of someone who was with us for a long time from being a kid who doesn't even scratch the surface of legend territory. Oh, there's lots like that. David Howells, John Pratt. Like, we, yeah. We've had our fair share of rubbish players play way too many games for us. <laughs> there you go. Joe, how do you feel? How do you feel you did there? Uh, well, I would have hoped to have gone a bit longer. There were a few other names I had lined up that might have been Throw safer. Some out. Let's see if you would have got if you'd have done better with those. Pepper well, some. Uh, did, we, did Elio say Gary Mabbott, or yeah, was that did. one still on the table? Uh, hang on, I think he did. No, he didn't. <laughs> no one said Gary Mabbott. Yeah, Gary Mabbott was there. That would have been a safer bet. He's number two. Yeah, ah. almost too obvious, <laughs> isn't it? We'll, we'll use that yeah. excuse. Uh, I'm sure Dave would have said that. It, how many games did Sheringham play for Spurs um, then? No idea. You have to check it out. But he's not on the list. So there you go. Just quickly running down from top to bottom. Perriman, Do you want to see how many names I can name in a row before I get one wrong? Yeah, yeah, I actually do. I hate myself (laughs) a little bit, but I do. Even though we've been recording for nearly two hours already, 
in an episode that was supposed to be a quick one. I do. What about you, Joe? Do you want to hear? Go Come on, on Elio. Let's, let's, let's give him his moment. I'll tell you okay. what. How many do you think he'll get, Joe, before he strikes out? So there were 30, were there? Yeah, and we've had seven, named... including Mabbit that you just said. I reckon Elio will get at least 10 of the remaining 23. <laughs> that would be impressive, but not surprising. Let's have it, Elio. No pressure, Joe. I think so you get 10. You just said Pat Jennings, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I gave you that one, but that's obvious. Okay. Um... Oh god, now I, I actually do I feel give some you pressure. <laughs> Aaron Lennon? Yep, 265. I love how there's a little star next to Aaron Lennon, which I think means still playing, but I don't know if that means yeah. so far he could get more. <laughs> Soul yeah. Campbell? Unfortunately, he just scrapes in at number 29 with 255 appearances, but they're all null and void. We don't count um, them. Our ever-present 1950s goalkeeper, Ted Ditchburn, who won us both the lower league and the top tier. You said that with some authority, despite the fact that he just scrapes in with 252 and number 30. <laughs> he is bottom of the <laughs> list, but he's there. So the, the run continues. I'd never heard of him, I must admit. Um, I'm going to go with Cyril Knowles. He must be there. Let me just... Must be pretty high up. He is high up. He's number four, actually. So we've got the top four. I'm going to go with another one who I'd expect to be high up. Alan Mullery. Mullery. Mm. No, Alan Mullery. There we go. No, no, no. He's there. No, no. False alarm. He's there. It's really small. I'm not wearing my glasses and it's really small font. No, he is there. I did think that was surprising. He's he's about 12th with 311. My apologies. (laughs) Accepted. Um... I can't imagine he won't be there. Aussie Ardealers? Aussie Ardealers? Uh, I'm triple checking this now, but I don't think he is. No. There's no Aussie Ardealers. No Aussie Ardealers, no. no. I mean, he was there for a long time. He must be close, but... I mean, he was with us 10 seasons in total, so... Yeah, no, he's he's not there. Are you sure? Because now I've decided to look him up to challenge you. Please do. No. I mean, it's very small font, but I can read it. And I don't okay, see so what I've looked up for Aussie, for some reason, only shows his league appearances, which are 238. So did he really it's not play 12 surprising. games across any cup competitions? Interesting. Not according to this. Maybe my stats are wrong. I haven't read down gonna, my source uh, this time. You need to find uh, it out. You, you need to find this out because... I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> I find it highly unlikely that across 10 years with us, including three trophy wins, that Maybe this is league appearances. See what it says for Steve Perryman. Maybe this is league appearances then. Okay, so let's see what old wiki says for Steve Perryman. (laughs) Elio refuses to accept it. I refuse to... Not that it's even defeat. He's won and he's just trying to get bonus points. He's just showing off, as always. So, for league appearances... It actually says 655 for Steve Perryman. So I don't know where you got... What did you say it was? 603? 613, according to this. Okay, and 866 in total. I am going off Wikipedia at this point, in fairness. Whatever whatever source I've used is obviously a little bit funny. There's something wrong with your source. I'm sure it's not dramatically wrong, but in terms of the order. What is your source, I guess? I can't remember. I screenshotted it and put it into my notes. So I didn't actually write it down. This is just like uni all over again without citing my work. I need a bibliography <laughs> from now on. But no, I I, um, I accept that well, it's probably not accurate. Well, for the sake of your editing, I will accept that I faltered until <laughs> I actually Let's just all agree, Elia, that you did very well. And that was the football equivalent of 
doing a step over, rounding the goalkeeper, and then even though you were going to score anyway, getting down on your hands and knees and heading it over the line just to embarrass your opponent. Poor Joe. He doesn't have Dave. He's already a bit lonely on his team on his own, and you just had to take it that step further, didn't you? Absolutely relentless, savage behavior. Anyway, shall we do the Who Am I game to wrap things Let's up? Let's do Who Am I. So this is the game that Move Dave on. normally wins. Yeah. Oh, it's probably a bit hard, a bit unfair on Eddie to say he normally wins. But Dave has a good record considering he is not a Spurs fan at this game. And this game is a game where I will give a series of clues describing a former or current Spurs player. And the guys take in turns to try and guess who we're talking about. And the last few have been up and down. Elio got one of them in two clues a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we, we really pushed it to the, the last few clues for Gary Mabbott. So I'm curious to see how this one's going to go. I feel like a few of these might tip you off, but let's get into it with clue one, which I'm going to give to Joe first. Hit me. Clue one, Joe. I am six foot one. Elio's already thinking. Dimitar Berbatov. It's not Dimitar Berbatov. It goes on to clue number two. I have scored 11 international goals. Elio. Um, six foot one, 11 international goals. If he gets this, I'm going to be upset. I say this every week, but it's true. I was upset I when he got not- Michael Dawson. I do not. No? Oh, Are you going to pass? That a fluke. Um, no, I'm not going to pass. Um, <laughs> Passing is an option. Six, 11 international goals. No, I don't know. Okay. I played for two other London clubs. Joe, does that help you at all? Mm. William Gallas? No. Clue number four. I have played for two former winners of the European Cup. That's the kind of clue that you can work it out from, even if you don't necessarily know. Two former winners of the European Cup, 11 international goals, six foot one, two other London clubs. Two other London clubs. And what have I missed? That's it. The clues get a bit weird after this, so I'm hoping we we at least get into the next one. So they they played for two European teams, the clubs that have won the European Cup. Two teams that have won the old European Cup. Not, I'm not saying he was playing for them at the time, but he's played for right. two clubs okay. that have okay. won the European Cup, which goes back to, what, 1950? Mm-hmm. Do you want another clue? Six foot one. Um, Dejan Kulazewski. <laughs> no, no, good guess though. I played one season on loan for Dürgarden in the Swedish second tier. I know who this is. Do you? Is this is Teddy Sheringham? <laughs> it is Teddy Sheringham. That's amazing. Well done. I, I I was going to guess. I would have guessed Teddy Sheringham on the last one. How did one you know because that? He played well done because he played for Millwall and um, West yep. Ham at either ends of his career. So he was on Millwall's record goal scorer actually of all time. And and when you said two time European Cup yep. winners, I don't know why, but I was thinking of Nottingham yeah. Forest because I thought I bet it's not a European Manchester club. United, I bet it's. I bet yeah. it's and Man United, yeah. yeah. Very good, Joe. Bloody hell. Very good. I'm, don't need, I'm don't sincerely need Dave impressed. After all. This sounds patronising, but I'm genuinely impressed you got that. Elio, were, were you I'm very impressed. You, he um, was, no. While he was, at, I believe, early days at Millwall, he was on loan for one season to Dürgarden in the Swedish second tier, where he scored, I think, 13 goals or something. The other clues, there's some fun ones in here. Well, the boring one is my middle name is Paul. Um, then the fun one. I knew are, that. That would have I, actually given it away to me. Did he? Did he? Yeah. I, did he also I have two hundred and forty-nine appearances for Spurs? <laughs> I love how this happens a lot, doesn't it? How players come up in the podcast that then end up being the Who Am I, which I obviously plan ahead of time. Um, I was once the third oldest player to play in the FA Cup final, which might have been a big clue because no, he was it old. Been a big one. 
And that was for West Ham in 2006. I assume against Liverpool. That was the one where Gerrard scored the wonder goal, wasn't it, I think? In 2017, I was named head coach of Indian Super League team ATK. Would you have known that? Did you know that about Teddy Sheringham? Didn't, didn't. I think I he did. He was also coach he, of Stevenage. I think he had Robbie Keane playing for him at this Indian oh, club. Did he? Oh, that would have been fun. That would have been a lot of fun. And the other clue... Two more clues, actually. I made the final table in the European Poker Tour, placing fifth, winning 93,000 euros. Didn't know he'd become yeah, a professional that. poker player. And the final clue, yeah. which would have been a bit of a... Could have thrown your scent a little bit, was I named my house Camp Nou after Barcelona Stadium, which, with hindsight, is quite obvious because that's where he scored his goal and won the Champions League. Uh, yeah, But you wouldn't have been thinking of English players once you'd heard that. I would have just thought Lineker. You would have thought Lineker, wouldn't you? But then he <laughs> didn't have the best time in Barcelona. But but yeah, I thought that was a, that was a fun clue. So yeah, Teddy Sheringham and a win for Joe, levelling things up after losing the last round. But well done, Joe. Good effort running solo against Elio. And uh, great podcast, guys. I, I really enjoyed that one. And um, it's nice to do something a bit different for a change, isn't it? And not just sit here talking about which team's going to beat us next week and who we've just lost to. Um, but we have got a game against Newcastle. So of course, next time round, we are going to be talking about that Newcastle at home. We talked about it a bit last time, but just to freshen things up, Elio, we should win that at least 5-0, shouldn't we? Strong long staff <laughs> plays for them. <laughs> I've switched off. I'm just trying to figure out how many games our dealers actually played for us. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the week I actually get my information right for Challenge Elio will be some big occasion because there's always a mistake. There's always a mistake, but it just makes it, it just adds an extra element of fun, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, Helio? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's probably enough of that. So we've got Newcastle next week. We will maybe even have Dave next week, although he is on a holiday. Depending on when we record, we may or may not have Dave, but we may also sub somebody else in for him. So you could have a slightly new look lineup next time. But we will, of course, be about to discuss the Newcastle game. And true to form, I haven't prepared well enough to tell you who we have after that game, but we might be looking ahead to the following fixture, which is Elio. While I frantically Google it. Are you too busy looking up Aussie Ideas? Yep. Okay, I'll do it myself then. Tottenham fixtures. It's Brighton, isn't it? Yeah. We're playing Brighton every we, month now. We've we just played the them. So, no, we've actually got Aston Villa away the following Saturday. So, we will probably be looking ahead to that as well, which could be an interesting game. And then Brighton comes after that, Joe. So, I think we talked about it last week saying that we had five, in very large inverted commas, winnable games. So, let's see how confident we are about that assertion next week after we've played Newcastle. So, all that to look forward to. Thanks again for joining us this week and for sitting through this. And if you want to get in touch one final time, please do at Plus Day Podcast on Twitter or email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com. But until then, stay classy Spurs fans and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>